Good morning. There's an old Greek proverb that goes like this. The bow that is always bent will soon break. What that proverb seems to imply is that the bow that's always under pressure, that never has an opportunity to release itself or to let go, will because of that constant pressure soon break and fall into a million pieces. If there's ever a proverb that seems to fit the society in which we live, that one fits quite well, for it seems that many folks are like that proverb. They're strung out. They're wondering if they can continue to handle the onslaught of problems as they hurl themselves into their lives on a daily basis. And as you and I know, life can go from calmness to chaos in just a matter of moments. The one thing I've discovered about this issue of worry is that it's no respecter of persons. Because you see, regardless of race, regardless of religious affiliation, regardless of your socioeconomic background, he has a way of invading our lives at the most inopportune times. And when he does, he can squeeze out of us the very joy of living that God has intended for us to have. Now, some of you may be dealing with worry right now. Some of you may be wondering about finances. Some of you may be wondering about a relationship. Some of you may be wondering about your health. And by the way, if you've never worried, well, don't worry. You will. Because worry has a way of invading our lives. And if we let him, he will take over. So how do we make sure that when he does come, because it's part of the human condition, it's something we face on a daily basis, what can we do to make sure that instead of having pieces of mind, that we have peace of mind? What can we do to be sure that we can win over worry? The Bible has a lot to say about this, but there's one place I'd like us to go this morning, and it's found of all places in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, what we heard this morning, Psalm 95. Now, this psalm is broken down into three parts, but the first two parts are what we call a call to worship. And in these calls to worship, the psalmist points out very clearly that when we focus upon the greatness of God, we will worship rather than worry. Believe it or not, the antidote to worry is to worship. For it is through worship that we get our perspective back as to who God is and who we are in relationship to him. And in verses 1 through 7, he gives us two reasons of why we need to worship and not worry. Uh, notice what he says, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Notice how the Hebrews come before God with unashamed enthusiasm, proclaiming him as their redeemer, their rescuer. This is a harvest psalm. This is when they praise God for one more time meeting their needs. And the word shout aloud literally means to come before God with a ringing shout. When I was with the Houston Astros and Earl would score, the place would erupt with a ringing shout. Whenever they would hit a home run, the place would erupt with a ringing shout. What the psalmist is saying is when we come together as God's people, because God's been knocking home runs and scoring touchdowns in our life all week, we come with unashamed enthusiasm proclaiming him for what he has done. But then he says, now let me give you two key reasons. First of all, he says that the Lord is the great king above all gods. The Lord is the great God. Now, he's not saying there are other gods. But what he is saying is if we're not careful, our problems can become our gods. When we go to sleep at night, 
They can wake us up. When we try to go to sleep, they're the first thing on our mind. When we're in the car, it's the first thing that enters our thoughts. And we find it beginning to take over our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes. And before long, our worries become God and rule our very lives. But he says, when you see God for who he is, everything else takes its proper place. Notice he says, in his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. Notice the contrast. Those heights no person has climbed, those depths no one has ever gone to. God knows the extent of his creation fully and completely. And there's nothing going on in your life that God doesn't know. He knows the height, he knows the depth, he knows the breadth, just like his creation of everything that's happening with you. But not only does he know it, he has the power to deal with it. Look at what he says, let's see is his for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. That word made is really interesting. It's like a potter who takes a piece of clay, slaps it on the wheel and molds and makes whatever they desire. God spoke into existence the universe as he desired it to be. He not only knows his creation, he's the one who pulled it off. You see, the first reason we don't need to worry is because he is the creator and keeper of his cosmos. He takes care of whatever he makes. He knows it fully, intimately, and completely. And what the psalmist is saying is that when all you have left is God, you find that God is enough. But then he goes on and shows us that God is not only infinitely powerful, he's also intimately personal. Look at the personal pronouns here. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. I love the fact that he uses the word maker. He is our maker. It's the very same word that was used of him making the actual universe that God personally sculpted each person in this room. He personally endowed them with what they have. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. When was the last time you got up, looked in the mirror, and said, wow, what a creation of God? I'm sure you don't do that, but God does. He sees you as the culmination of his handiwork. He sees you as one of my best works. And what I find interesting here, he says, we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Pasture land represents that of provision. And if God owns it all, then we don't have anything to worry about. He will provide. But it also says we are under his care. In some translations, it's under his hand that he protects us, he delivers us, he guides us. See, the second reason we worship and don't worry is because we're the sheep of the great shepherd and that he guides and directs and takes care of his own. So we don't have to be intimidated about who's going to be president. We don't have to worry about necessarily what the economy is going to look like. We don't have to freak out about what's happening in our culture to be aware of it, but we don't have to worry about it. Because you see, he's still on the throne and he's the only one that can say he has control. The best you, I can do, is manage. So don't worry. Worship. Get your perspective back as to who God is and your relationship to Him. 
Because, you see, he's the creator of the cosmos and the keeper of it. And more importantly, we're the sheep of the great shepherd. I remember uh, when I was growing up on our farm in Ohio, we had a 500-acre farm, and we grew pigs. A thousand of these pigs a year, and I got to take care of every one of those little oinkers. And we'd have a field where we put 200 or 300 of them, and I'd have to feed them, make sure they had water, everything they needed. They're about 20 to 30 pounds at that time. Every time I stepped into the field, they'd scramble because I was bigger than them. I remember one time going into the field, and they all scrambled but one. He came up and began to chew on my foot. I thought that was kind of cute. I reached down, I picked him up, began to pet him. He was oinking away, said, hey, it's all right. But then he wanted down. I said, well, you're not going to get down until I'm ready. Well, he let out a squeal like I have never heard before. I said, well, what good's that going to do? Well, I found out in about 10 seconds, 10 to 15 mama pigs weighing about 600 pounds were headed straight from moi. I said, well, look, if you want down, I'd be glad to let you down. So I let him down, ran for my life, <laughs> barely made it over the fence, and these mama pigs were walking back and forth, kind of daring me to bother their kid. You see, he seemed out of control. He didn't seem to have any power. And yet he knew that one squeal away, he had resources. It's just one squeal away. Now, if one of God's creatures is that sensitive to the cries of its own, how much more is the Heavenly Father to the cries of His own? Just one squeal away, and all of heaven comes running. Don't worry. Worship. Father, we thank You that we're never out of Your sight because You watch what You love. And so we thank You, Lord, that You watch us, You care for us, You provide for us, and that just one squeal away. You come and you get us. Thank you for being our God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.